Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Good morning, Auburn family. Your man, Ike Jones, here. It's the Morning Drop, sponsored by RogueShop.com. Today is December 26, 2022, and we are talking about QB fit for this new offense under Coach Hugh Freeze and offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery. Y'all know what time it is, man. It's time for the Morning Drop. The morning drop brought to you by RogueShop.com. Your man Ike Jones here. Be Will here this morning. Day after Christmas vibes, and we are here talking about quarterbacks. Um, Be Will, how you feeling today, man? All I want for Christmas is a quarterback that wasn't academically eligible to transfer here. But you know what? I'm. I will take. Um, I will take something as long as it's good and I don't have to return it to the store. Okay. My metaphors okay. got mixed and I, and I, I was lazy. I didn't follow through. I hadn't had my morning drop yet. So y'all, y'all bear with me. Yeah, man. So you guys know you can uh, get in here with the morning drop. Uh, we are talking about quarterbacks today and be will is being wishful for one Grayson McCall from coastal Carolina. It seems, but what you want to talk about is fit. Like, what's the type of quarterback uh, that would fit in this type of offense? I've done ooh, probably more than most people and still a lot more left to do um, just back. And if you guys, I think it maybe it would have was uh, early signing day. I was talking about a lot of the research that I had been doing. And I call it research. It's really just looking up statistics and um, QBs going back to uh, 2003. I think That's it's research. the earliest. Don't try to dumb it down. That is research. Yeah, I went back to 2003 and looked up statistics for every quarterback. Uh, Philip Montgomery was an offensive coordinator for every quarterback that Hugh Freeze was a head coach slash offensive coordinator for. So going back to his days at Lambeth College and or Lambeth, however you want to pronounce it, Lambeth Mm -hmm. College and going back to the Houston days for 
Philip Montgomery, looking at all the quarterbacks. And you know what I found that was interesting, B. Will? What's up? Only two of those quarterbacks were what we would consider true dual threat quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's this perception that you have to have a running quarterback to run this offense. And I don't know that the, st- the statistics say that that's true. Right. Malik Willis and RG3 were the only ones. Mm-hmm. Now, what the statistics also tell me is that for the most part, to be your best version of this offense, a running quarterback helps because those two guys were also Heisman winner, Heisman candidate. Right. Right. So I think that it's a misnomer to say you have to be. Right. But it's accurate to say that if you do have that guy, it could be special. So you, you bring up what, what you're suggesting is something I've been thinking about as well, which is, is there any offense where if you take what you want in a quarterback, which is you assume things like for, for any offensive coordinator or offensive head coach, a guy who can make the correct reads, be accurate, be accurate while on the move, have pocket presence, awareness to sense pressure. Mm hmm have the correct footwork to either step up, step back side to side and step around instead of panicking and, and, and jetting. Mm-hmm. If if a quarterback has those things and arm strength to boot, because you don't really need arm strength if you can do all of that. If a quarterback has all of those things, I think he's probably ideal for 85% of offensive coordinators in the country. Mm-hmm. If he can be a dynamic runner and an athlete on top of that, then I think that makes any offense better. But I think what we find in college a lot is that all of those things together are hard to find. But a dynamic athlete and runner can kind of make up for a a lack of the the first things we mentioned. So with, like you mentioned, RG3, RG3 actually had the goods as a quarterback, period. And he was a dynamic athlete, which is why he was a Heisman winner. Malik Willis wasn't the passer that RG3 was, obviously. Mm-mm. But Hugh Freeze was there in Liberty with him. He had a big arm. He What a lot of dynamic athletes do. They have the, the arm strength, not the arm consistency and accuracy necessarily. They can kind of play their way into a rhythm and then look unstoppable at times. The question we have to ask ourselves is, does this offense need somebody to be a consistently good quarterback with all those things we mentioned, the the arm talent, the accuracy, the pocket presence, uh, the reading and diagnosing a defense. Do you have to do all of that well? Is that the guy that they need? Or is it something where I just need you to make one or two quick decisions and then we're good? Because there are definitely OCs who do that. I, I thought that was probably a win for Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix was, mm-hmm. listen, you were just somewhere where they were trying to get you to think and read and in reacting all these ways, we're not going to do that. One, two, go. One, two, go. You don't have to think about that. It worked out there in the Pac-12 because the defenses weren't, weren't that great. But you can simplify as an OC. You can make it to where if your strength isn't reading, we can fix that. All right? If your strength isn't accuracy, well, I'm just going to fix stuff. So RPOs and things where the defense has to guess more. So now your guy's going to be wide open more often than you have to make tight window throws. The OC can alleviate a lot of those concerns. But what does Hugh Freeze's offense want 
to do? What does Philip Montgomery's offense, what does that meld? What do they want in a quarterback? That will be my first question. What do y'all yeah. want? Yeah, and that's what we're we're here to talk about is what is it that we, based on, again, what I've been looking at and uh, trying to understand how these offenses work, what is it that they prioritize, right? What kind of quarterback do they want in this system, right? And when you look at things, so let's let's examine two things right. here. You talked about two quarterbacks, Malik Willis, and you talked about, uh, well, I mentioned them as well, RG3. And just looking at their numbers in the years in which they were with Philip Montgomery um, and then uh, Hugh Freeze, respectively. So Malik Willis with, uh, was 2020 and 21 with Hugh Freeze, and RG3 had three years with Philip Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, the Heisman year that RG3 had, which is going to be his best year, was year three, 72% completion guy. He completed 72% mm-hmm. of his passes, 10.7 yards per completion average. RG3 was lighting people up that year. I don't think I realized yes, how man. bad RG3 was out here embarrassing defenses in the Big 12 that year. But he right. really, 37 touchdowns, six interceptions that season. Mm-hmm. Now, Malik Willis's best season, he was only a 61% completion guy. Mm-hmm. So Dynamic athlete, though. The athleticism was something that was on display there. Only 8.4 yards per completion, 27 touchdowns to 12 interceptions that year. So not like amazing statistics, but still did an amazing job as far as being able to operate the offense. But what I did notice in looking at the tape, and I promise you guys I'm going to get some tape for you on these offenses, it was a situation where both of them weren't really asking their quarterbacks to sit in the pocket and diagnose. I've heard a lot of criticism about quarterback's ability to read defenses, right? Mm -hmm. Can they make the reads? Can they make the reads? Can they make the reads? And one of the things that I want to bring up that you said specifically that I thought is important for a lot of quarterbacks just in general these days, offensive coordinators aren't asking them to sit back, drop back in the pocket and make a ton of reads. What they're doing is they're simplifying the reads. And that's something that you mentioned. They're simplifying what the reads can be and they're getting the ball out in space quickly to dynamic athletes and letting the athletes do the work, mm-hmm. right? Like they're not asking them to make these, you know, five-step drops, completing 20-yard, you know, over routes on a consistent basis. They're saying, all right, cool. Where do I have leverage before the snap begins? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little pre-snap motion to see if the defense is going to shift at all. And then I'm going to look to the side that I have a numbers advantage to. And I'm going to try to get the ball quickly somewhere, whether it's a QB screen, we're doing some sort of bubble or tunnel out to the side, Mm -hmm. or we're going to get a numbers advantage in the box and I'm going to check to a run. What they're asking them to do is understand pre-snap what the defenses are doing, not a lot of post-snap analysis. They're just getting the ball to athletes in space. And that's what these these offenses are going to be predicated upon. It's going to be predicated upon how quickly we can analyze what our numbers advantage is get the ball out of the QB's hands quickly. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of quarterbacks who can do that. And then when you add, again, from Malik Willis, RG3, the running ability, you have the ability to say, all right, cool. Nothing really looks like an advantage out here based upon what I'm seeing. If I see numbers on the back of jerseys, I'm taking off running, meaning they look like they're in man coverage. Cool. Mm -hmm. Nothing's available immediately. My first read isn't there. I'm out of here. Right. Or we're going to have some sort of numbers advantage in the box. We're going to be doing some sort of read option. I'm reading 
some particular unblocked person, depending upon what the blocking situation is up front, mm. and I'm out of here. Yeah. That's not going to be some complex. This isn't what I, I guess what I'm differentiating here is the type of quarterback Brian Harson and his offense we're looking right. for, right. which is pro style under center. We're making a bunch of checks at the line. Like, we're not doing a bunch of that. We're going to look to the right. sidelines. We're going to figure out, <laughs> hey, what is the play? And we're going to go pace. Another thing that I looked at mm-hmm. is the pace of play. So yeah. Auburn last year ran right around 70 plays per game, which isn't bad. Liberty last year ran almost 75 plays per game. And Tulsa ran somewhere around 73 to 74 plays per game. Huh. You, you feel like that's not a huge disparity. Um, One more three and out. They're They're running a ton more plays because they're trying to pick up the pace. Mm. So the pace of play is going to be something that we're going to see again here at at Auburn. That's something we haven't been seeing in a while. We were go huddle up, take our time, probably snap the ball with about, I don't know, less than 10 seconds on the, on the clock. A lot of those times, definitely down into the teens, Mm -hmm. um, low teens. They're usually snapping the ball with, 17 18 plus on the on the clock um in these offenses so it's going to be it's going to be more of a nascar style that we we're, we're seeing in the gus miles on era and uh but it, it, my, i guess my point here is the athletic quarterback not a requirement still for these offenses it's really more about how quickly can you analyze what's going on and get the ball out of your hands so you right. don't have to be this drop back read the defense for however many seconds it's going to take right All right, we're going to head to the comments section right now and look to see what you guys are out here talking about. We appreciate you guys waking up early on the day after Christmas to do a little drop with us. Going to start here with Brian Hancher, who says, what does Freeze's track record look like when it comes to adapting his system to available talent? This is a great question Mm. here, Brian Hancher. Um, So when we're looking at that, I think that he does a fairly good job of working with mobile QBs and non-mobile QBs. Like he hasn't had a mobile QB for a, a, a large percentage of his coaching career. If you look back at all the quarterbacks that he's utilized, but when right. he has had them, he's utilized their legs and they've done well in the offenses. I think the adaptation comes more so in the the run calls, though, and not what the mm-hmm. pass concepts are going to be. Pass gotcha. concepts are pretty much going to be the same. So l- let me ask you this. So I- I've been wondering this. I do not. I'm I'm so guilty of this, especially during basketball season because so many basketball games go on. I watch Auburn play. Mm-hmm. And then I watch teams who Auburn's about to play. And then I don't watch those teams anymore. If there's a big game, if they're both, everybody's, you know, undefeated seven games into the season, sure. I can't say I watch so much Bo Wallace. I can't say I watch so much Chad Kelly at Ole Miss. Right. When he had those guys, it was very clear that Bo Wallace was a middling quarterback. He was a very oh, Wallace. Mediocre guy. So listen, looking at his numbers, he was a his completion percentages for his years at Ole Miss, 63, 64, and 60 percent the three years he was at Ole Miss running that offense. 
And I just I distinctly remember this though. The the year it was 2014. We went to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss was in control of their destiny in the West. And we won that game. That was when Laquan Treadwell got hurt, and Ole Miss was all salty about it. And what I remember about that game was um, the Ole Miss fans. I, I want to say I was actually somewhere else watching that game around non-Auburn fans. And they would say, oh, well, here's the good bow, bad bow, something we've mm-hmm. heard before here. Yeah. And how he had good games and he had bad games. Now, to me, when you've got an offensive coach, a head coach, an offensive coordinator, that is good at what he does, and you have a quarterback that can look great one game and bad another game, it's simply a factor of the quarterback is not great, but he's doing what he can to make that quarterback effective. The low 60s is is what we would be facing here. We already know that Robbie Ashford is a dynamic athlete, which Bo Wallace was not. He was Mm -hmm. a tall, lean guy. I guess he had a big arm. I don't really remember. He He had a big arm. It seems as if if you can finagle 60 to 65% out of Robbie yep. Ashford, it is a completely different dynamic than a Bo Wallace 60 to 65%. Yeah. I am I'm, I am I am salivating at a 60 to 65% completion clip for Robbie Ashford because even even those throws were in an offense that wasn't really tailor made for him. So really mechanics alone in a fixed shoulder could have gotten Robbie to 60% this season. But you're telling me an offense that, uh, offense that makes sense for him? We could be looking at 65 for Robbie Ashford like that. That that is game changing as far as how long the offense stays on the field. Mm-hmm. As far as uh shorter quicker throws, things that don't put the offensive line under so much stress. So when you have to guess as a defense and you don't know what's coming as a defense, now big shots open up more often, man. It's the world is really at our feet right now. And mm-hmm. and I'm I'm incredibly excited at the prospect of these two offensive minds putting their heads together, working together well, hopefully, and not a year one Harson Bobo type thing where they said, yeah, we're going to work together. It's going to be great. And then it sucked. So um, hopefully that 60, uh, 60 being the floor, 64% from Robbie Asher will be. Listen. So again, looking oh at God. the quarterbacks, um, every quarterback and there are, Ooh, what's the count on this? One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen quarterbacks or years, not number of quarterbacks, because some of these were multiple uh, quarterbacks over multiple years, but seventeen different times between those two, they had a quarterback that threw for over three thousand yards in there in that season. Hmm. Uh, RG three is the only guy who was over seventy percent for any of those guys. The rest of them are mid to low 60% completion guys. So again, in this offense, if you can get to 63%, you're probably going to be pretty good. (laughs) 63%. Probably going to be pretty good. You saw Robbie in the Iron Bowl, man, 63% running like that. And and again, most of these aren't dynamic runners. So you add the running capability of Robbie. If he can get to low to mid 60s in his completion percentage Mm. which i believe that they can scheme a way to get to that right then you're talking about a very dynamic offense that can throw for over three thousand yards now and that's not like world beating three thousand yard but right for an auburn offense (laughs) we're talking about revolutionary (laughs) right with the way that we can run the ball so great things can definitely come out of that so adaptation to the um, question specifically can happen um, it's mostly going to be uh, evidence in the run game of the quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. Kenneth jumps in and says the running ability of the QB takes away certain coverages. Having a na- dynamic athlete, uh, athletic, dynamic athletic QB makes it easy 
to simplify against him at the offense. And goes on to say RG3 had a track team for receivers. And then Michael Carlisle doubles down on that and says, better find a whole lot of fast receivers because that's what RG3 had. All these things 100% true. You have to account for the quarterback if he can run. So it makes your play calling different. And that's what, when we talk about adaptation of the the offense, it means understanding we've got a different type of weapon here. How are we going to use that to get a numbers advantage in the run game? Or make defenses have to account for him to get the quick RPO action um, that's going to be happening. Uh Mike Carlisle comes back and says, don't sleep on Robbie Ashford. Um, He's an elite athlete. And if he works under Hugh Freeze on his mechanics, could fit well into the offense. Speaking of Robbie Ashford working on his mechanics, video surfaced recently that was posted by his QB coach of him out there getting to work on that sort of thing. So good to see him out there. Um, There was a lot of... Here's the thing, man. I don't know why people got to be cynical, though. Like, uh, is is any of this going to help him work reading defenses? Last quarterback we saw doing this all summer, we never seen him take a snap in the game. It's like, yo, man, y'all calm down, man. Settle I'm down. saying, man. You, you, you think Zach Calzada wanted to sit out the whole season? He basically wasted a bird a year. Couldn't play, man. It's, things work out. Football is tough on a lot of people. It doesn't work out for the vast majority of players. But we're, we're glad to see the effort of these guys here trying to get it together in the offseason. Haley jumps in here. Haley, good to see you. I will be completely unbearable if we get if they get Robbie to 65 percent completion listen i will as well Haley. i will as well these morning drops are just gonna be me laughing and cackling at whoever we beat the previous weekend like that's all (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible Uh, riley m jumps in mid 60s and robbie could have heisman potential hey listen i think it's possible again I, i just read off to you these quarterbacks and we're talking about listen listen to the names here that we're talking about Ryan Applin, you ever heard of that guy? No. Threw for 3,500 yards at Arkansas State. Bo Wallace threw for 3,300 yards, and then again, 3,100 yards. Chad Kelly, 4,000 yards at 60%. 4,000 yards, 60% completion. Now, he also threw 14 interceptions that year, but like, hopefully we can get the (laughs) interception numbers down on these guys. Um, Stephen Calvert at Liberty threw for 3,600 yards. Yeah, Dane know. Evans at Tulsa, 4,000. 4,300 yards from Dane Evans. Zach Smith at Tulsa threw for 3,200 yards. Kevin Cobb at Houston, 31, 32, 38 in his three years there as the offensive coordinator um, with Philip Montgomery. I already talked about RG3, 35 and 4,200. Nick Florence at Baylor, 4,300 yards. Bryce Petty, hmm. 42 and 38. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so that that's that's my, that's very encouraging. When was the last time Auburn had a 3,000-yard pass thrower? I don't know the answer to that question. We'll have to look that I up. I have to go look that up and see when is the last time we had somebody. I mean, it would have to be. Stidham, maybe? Yeah, it, uh, maybe. I, Bo might have done it one of those years, but. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look it up. But yeah, uh, Robbie Ashford definitely in this offense has the potential if he continues to work on it. The big thing for Robbie is going to be, and um, I think I just saw somebody say it, is handling his emotions because it's going to be up and down, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. going to always be successful. If he right. can be able to, to to bottle those emotions. And I think the big thing is him taking care of the ball. um, Because... If he takes care of the football, meaning 
not so much interceptions because interceptions are going to happen, right. but the fumbles, the handling of the football, those types right, of things right, that right. you were seeing with Robbie. If he takes care of the football in that way and he's able to cleanly handle snaps and not, you know, put the ball on the ground pre-snap, um, yeah, he's going to be a problem. It's no doubt he is going to be a problem, even with defense. Because what defenses are going to say is he can't throw the ball. This is the we've had this conversation now for probably four years straight with Auburn quarterbacks. Make him throw the ball, keep him from being able to run the ball. Then Auburn's doomed. Right. If he can get to this sixty-some completion percent, and we can get the ball out of his hands quickly, offenses. I mean, defenses are going to have a tough time stopping Auburn. Just it is what it is because of the ability. And um, two twenty-two busy says he thinks it was Stidham. Corey Weber jumps in um, here and asks, "How would Spencer Sanders fit in the freeze-led offense?" Okay, I so actually think really well, but I I, I disagree. Okay, and the reason I disagree. My my lasting memory of Sanders at OK State was the Big Twelve Championship game, twenty twenty-one. All right, okay. the boy stunk. He threw multiple interceptions. Baylor actually had a true freshman quarterback they started because their quarterback for the entire over the course of the season had been hurt. And um, even though OK State, he was bad in that game. He was very bad in that. Now, that's Dave Aranda. He's a quality defensive mind. He had some experience pieces on that defense. And so that's what a good defense can do to you. Now, what worries me about Sanders is the Big 12 defenses are not the SEC defenses. So, yeah, you can slide if the defenses are mediocre to bad. That's just like here. I mean, that was kind of what, what Gus's thing was. Like, oh, well, he won this many games. It's like, yeah, but Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, the teams that we played, about a third of our – go ahead. Interrupt really quickly. Damian Craig was the last one. That's a long time. 97. That's a long time. Yeah. All wow. right, so anyway, back to Spencer Sanders. Sorry. Yeah, so – we, we, we've seen that with Gus where, yeah, you can beat up on the teams who you're clearly more talented than or where the defenses are clearly mediocre to bad. But if you ever come across a good defense, you're going to get boxed in. I don't want that because that to me, there's a, a hard cap on the offense if the quarterback is not elite. Like that was always the difference for me. Y'all will hear me say this when we were talking about Bo. It's like it's not that Bo is the worst quarterback we've ever seen. It's that the fan base is resting these expectations on him like he is the next coming. He's not that guy so why are we expecting and hoping for our offense to go to the supernatural level when he's not that guy sanders is more of the same the right system in the right year sure against subpar competition sure however that's not the situation we're going to be in anymore like we're, we rarely are i've seen uh sam Pittman. people leave his program every year they're using arkansas as a rental but he still feels at least a decent team what two two of the last three years I don't that and that used to be the bottom of our conference, Mississippi State. I mean, you know, of course, RIP Mike Leach. We don't know what they're going to be this year. Lane's at least going to be competitive, even if he's not going to be a world beater and get out the West. Y'all will never get out the West, Ole Miss. But he's at least going to be competitive. <laughs> so now what we have to worry about is, yeah, Sanders, you were great when your competition was mediocre and your defense was killing it, which is another thing I hate to, to hear people do. Give the quarterback all this credit for winning games when your defense was really winning you all these games and getting you all these additional possessions as an offense. Yes, your numbers can look great and you can have some game winners when you were holding the other team to, you know, mid-50 completion and, and under 300 yards of offense a game. But here, when offenses are going to be dynamic and force us to put up points, and when defenses are going to be able to hold you down and keep you from doing easy stuff, can you elevate? No. 
Sanders can't elevate, and which is why they were very mediocre this year when that defense wasn't there anymore. I think he's okay at best. Um, we could cycle a bunch of guys in and out who are about the same as him. I just don't trust him with the ball in his hands. I don't. I, running, sure. Throwing, no. If, if you just experience is the only difference between him and Robbie Ashford, that, I will that, roll my dice with Robbie. This is that's what I was going to say is the only difference I think between he and a Robbie Ashford today is their experience and temperament, like their right. ability to kind of because I, I don't know that Spencer Sanders necessarily gets rattled um, and you see a, a ton of emotion out of him. Again, I've literally watched two games that he's played. So that's right. not a that's a very small sample size. I don't have a ton of uh, information on him. Um but I do trust the ability of these coaches to be able to get a quarterback ready. So I think that he could be a good guy to come in and compete for snaps. Yeah. Um, I still think, you know, listen, I, I'm a big fan of Robbie Escher. I think the X factor in this entire QB race is still going to be Holden Gardner. I, I just don't know who the guy is going to be this season, but whichever direction it takes, it's going to be vastly different directions that the offense can go. Um, it's just hard to pass up the immediate wow factor that Robbie Ashford brings to you at quarterback. Right. Um, but man, I, I think Holden Gardner might be able to be special, which is why I say when people say Holden Gardner doesn't fit this offense, I say, I don't know that there's anything historically that validates your, uh, your ability to say that. I think right. what they're going to prioritize is how quickly can you get up here and assess the situation and mm-hmm. then understand where your matchups are and get the ball to your playmakers. Right now, if Robbie can do that at a high clip and then you add the athleticism to it, offense is stellar, right? Holden right. Garner can still make this offense hum. If he can get up there and get the ball to athletes in space, which we have a ton of those. Right. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We appreciate you guys dropping in with us once again. Another morning drop. You guys make sure you hit that like button, share, subscribe, all of those things. And we will be back at you all tomorrow morning with another drop. Until then, and as always, War Eagle, we are out. Peace.